Welcome out to the Bulls and the Bears. This is Aaron Warby. I am here with uh, Stephen Sabatier today. Uh, for those of you joining us for the first time, uh, Stephen and I are part of Online Trading Academy, the most trusted name in financial education, and celebrating 26 years of service. Now, this is the first time that you've been on with me. Is that correct, Stephen? Yes, it is. Okay. And uh, and Stephen, you've been a um, you've been a student uh, for how long? Since. September of 2022. September of 2022. Okay. And what's your focus? Trading, investing, getting into it all? Trading for active income. Trading for active income. All right. And and what is your most active? Uh, we've got stocks, options, futures, Forex, bonds, things like that, um, cryptos. What, what What's your, what's your go-to for active income? I, I really love Trading Academy because I can get education in all those things. Uh-huh. I actively trade futures every week, every day now, right now. Futures contracts. Every week, every day. Yeah. Outstanding. All right. And obviously, it's something you, you've been enjoying doing. Oh, yeah, man. <laughs> For I'm, a little while. <laughs> I now tell people I'm, I'm at a stage where I'm, I'm having fun. I'm, I'm out of the nervous stage. I'm out of the... I, I was scared, nervous, studying uh, eagerly, aggressively, studiously. And I'm at a point where I'm like, I am having fun doing this. Like I enjoy it. It's some, I'm, I'm having a good time right now. Yeah. Yeah. Outstanding. Yeah. All right. Well, so let's get into it. You know, this is going to be one of the shorter ones. And for uh, those listeners that have been with us um, regularly, you'll know that this one is late. And I want to apologize. You know, this has just been a tremendously busy week uh, for me. And um, I could have stayed late and, and done this, but I've been working on a pretty good migraine for a little while and decided that uh, it was just going to be late this week. So I apologize. But um, instead of skipping it all together, I did want to talk about a couple of things because we had some significant things happening in the economy. And this is going to uh, be significant for both trading and investing. All right now, when I'm talking about trading, just to reiterate for those that are joining us, uh, you know, maybe for the first or second time, when I'm talking about trading, what I'm talking about is we get in and out of positions, um, you know, stocks or contracts or whatever it is we're trading. We're in and out in a very short amount of time. So a day, maybe as much as a week if we're swing trading, right? When I'm talking about investing, this is something where we're holding money long term. And so typically you would be an investor if you were, you know, getting um, long term capital gains, uh, you know, statements, things like that, uh, which means that you've been holding for at least 365 days. Okay, now, is is there some sort of uh, cutoff? No, not really. But investing you're really looking to build up your wealth, build up your retirement. Trading, eh, this is something where you're looking for active income. Um, it's supporting, uh, it's supporting the money that you're you're using to buy food, clothes, you know, whatever, or vacations. A lot of people when they trade are trading so that they can have toys, <laughs> right? Looking for a new flat screen TV or, you know, uh, a larger TV for the Super Bowl. That's actually how I got started many years ago hmm. in the trading aspect. I've been investing for a long time. Hmm. All right. Anyway, so something happened this week. We have had a weekly drop um, 
you know, in the in the S and P, which is well, it, it ends one of the record-breaking bull runs week over week. Uh, we've had almost twelve, almost this. We were going on fourteen straight weeks of bull, um, closing higher than we started the week. Right? Uh, didn't look like a serious drop, but for people that knew what they were doing, this this especially ending on Friday, this was a little bit alarming. Okay, because this was a payday Friday. And payday Fridays are when all of the uh, 401ks and mutual funds and, and things like that, that is when they invest in the market. And, they, and so this is a tremendous amount of buying power going to the market. Well, all things being equal, when you have a lot more buying power than average going to the market, what should happen? Well, it should go up, right? Yeah. Um, so more buying than selling, it should go up. So if you've got a payday Friday with all of this money coming into the market, but instead of going up on Friday, it goes down. What is that telling you? Mm. All right. I mean, what, what's going on there, right? Something's different. Yeah. Something's different. And what's going on is you've got a lot more people that, you know, aren't funds that are selling than that have overpowered the funds putting new money in. That's what I was just thinking. Yeah. They're, they're from a simple understanding, if, if I'm watching Payday Friday and it's always going up because of all that buying. Sure. And last Friday it goes down, then some amount was selling a lot more than the buying. Right. Correct? Yeah. Now, now that could have been other institutions saying, no, I don't like what I'm seeing. Okay, because what happened this week? Well, we had both the CPI and the PPI come out this week, all right? All right, well, if you don't know what CPI is, that's Consumer Price Index or the inflation rate, and it came out hot, right? Wednesday it came out, it came out hot. All right, if you've been listening for any amount of time, you know that I am much more interested in the PPI than I am the CPI. What the PPI, the CPI is the consumer price index, basically is the stuff that I buy off the shelf getting more expensive or staying the same price, right? And what's coming up fast or is it going up slow? And that's the consumer price index. But the PPI is the producer price index. That means for the people making the stuff that goes on the shelf, the cost of them being able to make those goods. What does it cost them to buy the goods, the raw materials, in order to, um, in order to refine it, put it on the shelf, right? That is the PPI. Go ahead. So CPI is consumer. That's mm-hmm. that's the price I'm paying as a consumer for things on the shelf. Correct. PPI for producer is the cost. It's is their cost going up or down to make the things that consumers buy? Is that correct? Correct. And yeah. so. When you say it came out hot, it came yeah. out going up fast. So they were expecting it to um, to come out at at point one, and it came out at point five. Ooh! So, so uh, in order five of five times what they were expecting. Yeah, in order of magnitudes, it was five times larger. Yeah. All right. Uh, so very hot. That that's hot. All right. Now, because most people don't know what that means. It's typically largely ignored, but evidently not by, uh, not by the um, the the big money people, what we would call the smart money, right? They did not ignore that. 
Um, and because it came out this week, not only the CPI, which we saw a reaction in the market on CPI, you didn't see it on PPI except on payday Friday. Now, instead of going up with all of that buying power, it is going actually slightly down. So that's where you saw it. That's where I, that's where I saw the reaction. And that is very telling as to, as to, uh, you know, what pe- what the insiders think is going on here. All right. So a couple of other things that hit this week, um, both, well, we've got China now that's in recession, that's declared recession. Okay. They've met all the criteria for recession. UK and Japan both expect to meet all of the qualifications for a recession um, here when they announce numbers at the, you know, at the next quarter. Mm, okay, so so we've got three of the largest economies all slipping into recession. Now, the U.S. is not showing recession, but we are all of the sudden showing higher, um, you know, higher uh, CPI, higher consumer price index inflation and producer price inflation right at the time when everybody is kind of nudging the Federal Reserve to say, hey, we're we're seeing some pain in the markets. You might need to drop the rates in order to goose us back up, mm. right? And 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 get this economy to keep going because everybody loves when the market is racing up and the economy is doing well. Mm. Well, when it comes down to it, the Federal Reserve only has one product. They are not a government entity. They are a bank. Mm-hmm. They have one product, and that is the dollar. And the strength of the dollar is everything to them. That is how they make their money. If people lose trust in the dollar, then they have lost trust in the central bank and the bank has, loses its, its power when it comes down to it and its future earning power. Okay, people don't know this, but we've already had two central banks in the U.S. go broke since, since we became a nation. Mm-hmm. All right. Mm-hmm. Um, Alexander Hamilton's father uh, had one. There was one right there during the, uh, you know, during the colonial period before the uh, Constitution uh, was ratified. And both of those went broke because of inflation, because of what runaway inflation. All right. So inflation is kind of a, a nasty thing. It'll take down the bank. Go ahead. I didn't know that in our history yeah. pre-Constitution. I didn't know about that. Yeah. So there is a really good book. It's, it's long and it can be boring. Okay, but it's called The Creature from Jekyll Island, and it gives some excellent history on banks and, and the motivation behind banks. Okay, and it, and it will walk through many of the depressions and show, you know, that the central bank really had a lot to do with what was going on and the pressure on the current monetary system at the time. Okay, and what was going on. Well, here we've got the Federal Reserve who's in between a rock and a hard place if we're looking for them to be our salvation out of a recession. Because if they start printing money, what's going to happen? We have higher inflation. Correct. Right? Correct. If they don't start printing money, if they, or if they, if they decrease the rates, then that allows more people to borrow more money, which increases the money flow in the United States, which spreads inflation, right? Correct. And so they've been saying, no, we need to keep this up so that we can fight inflation. And even though they've kept this up, all of a sudden we're seeing inflation starting to creep up again. All right. Now the PPI is very important. To the tune of 0.1 to 0.5. Well, and that's on the producer price, right? Now I, I say that because the producer price index is a leading indicator. 
All right, the consumer price index is kind of, well, it's not really an indicator. It is the end result of what's going on out there. Right. Okay. It's like an outcome. Yeah. Now, you know, all of us know the difference between a leading indicator and the outcome. And in fact, if you're still alive and listening to this, it's because biologically you're really good at seeing leading indicators (laughs) when it comes down to it, right? Starts when you're a kid. That guy looks angry. That's a leading indicator that he might hit me. I'm going away. All right. I'm driving. I see, I see all of the cars up in front of me with their brake lights coming on. Leading indicator, I need to slow down or change lanes. Okay. And if you don't recognize leading indicators, you typically will do something that will, that will work you out of the gene pool. <laughs> all right. So we're all very attuned to these leading indicators. And here is the producer price index. Now, if the producers have to pay more to make the goods that go on our shelf, where are they getting the money to pay more? Man, what they, a great question. Right? Where are they getting that yeah. money? Well, they, they have to raise their prices. So they pass it on to the consumer. So the PPI is a leading indicator for the future CPI. Does that make sense? One thing my family and I have noticed and seems like many other people have also noticed staples that we've been purchasing Mm -hmm. are the same price and it goes from 12 ounces to 10 ounces. Yes. It's called shrinkflation. So, right. So I've been seeing shrinkflation. Yeah. Yeah, so, you know, per so, ounce, the so, price is going up. So PPI is going up for them, and so they're passing shrinkflation on to the consumer. Right, yeah, they know that that everybody is price sensitive. Mm-hmm. They don't want to see higher prices. Mm-hmm. So instead of putting higher prices on the shelf, they simply decrease the amount that they're putting in the box. Correct. Right, and so if you've been buying cereal lately, you really know how this is going. Correct, all right. kinds of things. You read the net um, weight, mm-hmm. it's dropping, dropping. Yeah, yeah. So uh, that's what you're talking about. The, 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 where, where's the peop, where are the producers getting the money? Mm-hmm. Well, they have to either raise the price or shrinkflation, deliver less good for which the is, same price. Right, which is the same thing as inflation mm-hmm. because, you know, the, the fact is, is that your family uh, might use, I don't know, 16 ounces of sour cream in, in a week. And all of a sudden, instead of selling 16 ounces, it's now... 10 ounces correct for the same price but now you need to buy two cartons instead of one right and so really the prices are going up and they're trying to hide it and and that's what happens when we have the ppi the prices are going up eventually for the consumers and this is just a preview of what's going on now the real concern here is that the federal reserve might not be very um anxious about this ppi number this producer price uh, index number, if where they were seeing it were some, was something like energy. So if they saw crude going up and they were looking at the gas pump and saying that's going up, well, energy is a big sector of our economy, all right? But it's one that fluctuates a lot. And as we get closer to the summer, we typically see uh, you know, energy prices going up. That's just what happens, right? It's almost a cyclical thing. Uh, but we are not seeing the prices go up. So, so think about energy as a sector, right? You produce something and you want to sell it at the store. All right. 
if all things are equal, except energy prices, now, now the price of fuel has gone up, how do you get it from the factory to the store? Well, now you have to transport it. Yeah. If the cost of transportation is going up, are you going to recognize that cost somewhere, probably on the shelf? Where? Yeah, on the shelf. Yeah, on the shelf. And so that's going to contribute to inflation. But because this is cyclical, they would probably ignore that. Oh, okay. But we have not seen higher energy prices, right? Right. Energy prices have been kind of stagnant right there. If you're looking at crude, it's been been bouncing in between about 68 and 78. Exactly. Right? Exactly. Okay, very range-bound. And so Mm -hmm. that's not where... The um, producer price index is coming from. That's not where the, the, you know, these are core prices ignoring the energy. And so we're looking forward to summer. What's going to happen when we have higher fuel prices and the prices of other goods are going up? And that is the concern. So here the Federal Reserve is saying, can we drop rates? Mm, Guys, we're looking at indicators that say that that, uh, we're going to continue having higher inflation numbers than we want. I don't think we can. But in order to stay out of the recession, we need to grease the skids a little. That's what they would do in years past when it looked like a recession. They greased the skids by lowering the the rates, right? Lowering the borrowing rates. And now banks can loan out more money because people are willing to borrow more when the rates are low. And the economy kickstarts because all of that money floods into the economy and comes back to, um, you know, to people that provide jobs and everybody's happy. All right. Well, if the borrowing rates stay very high, then money is sucked out of the economy. That helps the inflation, but it doesn't help the businesses stay in business. Mm. Fewer people spending dollars, their revenues are, are down. And we're going to start recognizing that in quarterly results and things like that. And that's what drives the economy into a recession. All right, so we've already got China, the UK, and Japan going into recession. We've been chugging along, but now we're seeing recessionary pressures and we are seeing um, higher inflation rate. Are the big guys getting nervous? Well, Friday said yes. Does that make sense? So... Now, now, should the markets be scared? Well, all right. The action on Thursday showed a little bit of that, but payday Friday, in my mind, was a larger tell. I think some, you know, some of the larger guys are getting a little bit nervous of how high the market is at current valuations. That's just my read on it. Now, how do we play that for investing? Well, here's the problem, all right? If I'm an investor and I'm looking at all-time highs, I could get nervous and pull my money out. But what if it keeps going? Could that happen? Absolutely. Yeah, all right? The market has very, when it comes down to it, the market and the economy are two separate things, okay? Mm -hmm. We could be in the middle of a recession watching, you know, watching all new highs. That could absolutely happen. It's unlikely given the mechanics of the market, okay, because uh, because of other issues, but it could happen. In fact, there's something right now happening that, that really should help us to keep growing. All right, and I mentioned it last week just a little bit, but I'm going to return to the subject, okay? We have the bond market, and the bond market is a much larger market than than the stock market, okay? Now, have you been tracking the 10-year or the 30-year? I do not. You don't? Okay. I'm, I'm aware, and 
when I see some of my mentors trade it successfully, the ZN and the ZB, I'm like, man, I need to get educated on this. Well, uh, so but, yeah, I, I kind of like trading the 10 year and, and the 30 year because really what I'm looking at is, is, uh, in the zone. If, if it's any larger than, than six ticks, then it's blown the zone. So you've got that little tick, you know, six tick thing that, mm-hmm. that's going to tell the story one way or another. Um, and, and I like that, you know, it gives me a very tight space, um, where I can, where I, it's going to be a decided trade. That's cool. That sounds cool. Yeah. Um, and when it moves, you know, it, it can move just as much as anything else really when it comes down to it, you know, but the zones are usually pretty tight. I like, I like that. I like tight zones. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, but when we're trading, we're not looking at the long term sometimes. Okay. If you've looked at the long term, if you've been looking at the long term in the 10 year, uh, in the 10 year or the 30 year notes, what you're watching is the valuation of these notes running down ever since 2021. Okay. Okay. Now the reason is, is, you know, very, it's, it's just an economy professor's dream to be able to uh, explain this. Okay. But, but this has everything to do with supply and demand, right? Uh, So if you have the same demand for something, but a larger supply, as in here, we've got uh, sprockets and sprockets are made for this company that uses 300 sprockets every, uh, every month. But at the factory where they make this specific sprocket, they accidentally printed 10,000 instead of 300. Now they have too many sprockets on hand. They want to get rid of them because it's costing them too much to store it. So what do they do? They lower their they prices. Lower the price, sell it at a discount. That's yep. right. So if you've got the same demand, but higher supply. Price is going down. Price is going down. Well, here's what we've got. We've got the U.S. government trying to sell bonds. Oh. And there is a specific amount of people that want to buy bonds. And the demand isn't changing very much, I'm guessing? Well, yeah. So who buys bonds? Well, you already told me it's been going down since 2021. So the demand is staying the same and the supply is going up. Okay. Yeah. Who who, who buys bonds, though? Man, I'm going to ignorantly guess and say people that, or, or, or maybe like, any entity or individual that wants this stable, low guaranteed rate of return. So maybe, maybe really large entities with that, that manage pension funds or retirement funds. There we go. Yeah. Biggest buyers are the pensions, right? The pension funds and things like that. Okay. Now, if you have inflation, at 5%, but the bond only pays 3%. What's happening to Ouch. your fund? Ouch. It ain't doing well, buddy. It ain't doing well. guess what's happened since 2021? They ain't doing well. Well, they haven't been doing well for some time, right? I mean, bonds, so bonds will pay out at 3.5%, um, you know, in normal terms, normal, normal times. But if inflation is higher than that, then your fund is actually losing value and people are getting sick of it and jumping ship, Mm. right? So what do you do? Well, it's been bad for a long time. Bonds have been bad for a long time. What would happen if all of the sudden the the people, the fund managers say, you know what? Bonds are actually less stable than stocks. Now what's going to happen? Whoa. If they said that, Okay. Well, now we're going to get a lot of money going into the stock market. Exactly, right? 
Yeah, let's add to their troubles. Let's add to Bond's troubles. Since 2021, we as a nation now have more debt than we collect in taxes. Okay? We have $34 trillion worth of bonds that we have to pay. And the uh the every if if we added up everything the gross, gross domestic product right everything that is made bought and sold in the United States in a year is less than thirty four trillion mm. and we're collecting taxes on only a part of that mm. right a percentage of that mm. all right we now have more debt than we can pay for meaning that unless we cut out some of the government spending all right and cut programs and things like that we're not collecting enough in taxes to pay for the bonds. And so the only thing that we can do at this point, if we're not going to cut any of these government programs, is make new bonds. Well, you've got a population of people, very static population, that want bonds, but more bonds. Does this sound like the sprocket game? Yeah, you have more supply than, than the demand. demand has been using. 300 sprockets, 10,000 sprockets. Yep. Static bond demand, and now we're adding more. So they, so they're thinking, let's make more bonds. They have to make more or bonds. They already have. Yeah, they keep making more bonds. Okay. We just passed another spending bill, creating more bonds. So one thing right now is the Higher price of deficit. bonds is going down. The price of bonds is going down, and that's exactly right. And so the value is dropping off, and all of a sudden, all of these, all of these <laughs> fund managers that have all of these bonds are saying, yeah, not worth it. Let's sell these off and go into the stock market that keeps going up. We have to satisfy our customers. Because if you're retired and your value is going down, but inflation is going up, your retirement is taking a massive hit. Yeah, your purchase power is dropping. Right, and sooner or later you're going to get tired of that. And that's it's been like this for a couple of years, and all of a sudden you're saying, no, this, is, this isn't working. You, I'm pulling my money out of your fund. Oh, no, no, wait, wait, we're, we'll change. We'll get better, I mm. promise, mm. right? Okay. It's actually time to put more in. <laughs> well, <laughs> I don't know. Is there any chance that we're going to create fewer bonds in the future and correct the supply and demand um, problem that we've got. No, right now we're, you know, doing what Japan did back in the eighties and, and they had a 20 year recession Ooh, and their bonds. That's a long time. Yeah. Not, not all that valuable when it comes down to it. Okay. Um, so yeah, you've got this whole population of people with lots and lots of money and this money keeps flowing over to the stock market. And so even though we've had things happen in the United, you know, in the economy that don't look good, we keep having money flow over into the stock market and it's pushing it up. Does that make sense? Uh, is that why we keep well, seeing this bull all-time high? That's continue? what it's looking it's like, part of right? That, huh? Yeah. That's what it's looking like. And so and so when I ask the question, even though we slip into a recession could it go, could the markets keep going up? Then the answer has to be, well, yeah, we can't predict that. That's one way that it could. That's one way that it could. That's exactly right. So what do you do? Okay. Well, as a trader, do you care which way the market is going? Man, as a trader, if I have the knowledge and skill to, to read my charts, locate my areas, what, what, what did you just ask me? Do I what as a trader? Do you care which way the market is heading? No, man, I don't as a care. Trader. I don't care. No, I just you don't trade care. it, man. Right? Because it, it's providing, you know, as far as you're concerned, this is a good thing. It's providing much more volatility. As a trader, you That's count right. on volatility. I was about to say, all I need is movement. 
Yeah. Up or down, don't matter. I just need movement and I can earn income. That's it. There you go. So as a trader, it really doesn't matter which way this market is going. No. And so I tell you that, uh, that things are looking a little dicey and people are getting nervous and you start cheering, right? Hooray for me. Good Money move in today. my pocket. Good move today. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but as an investor that is looking at a long-term um, type thing, now you start getting a little bit nervous. Is my money safe in the markets when, when we've got China, the UK, and Japan heading into recession? And they mm. are the three, lar- you know, besides us, the three largest economies. Mm. What's going to happen to us? All right. And now we're seeing that the CPI and the PPI are going up. That means the Fed is likely not going to drop their rates and keep us out of sliding. What am I thinking as an investor? All right. Well, you can either sit there and, you know, and, and be, I don't know, be scared, be nervous, wet your pants, whatever you're going to do. You're saying just okay. like passively sit and watch? You can passively sit and watch and be nervous because you don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. All right. You're scared to pull the trigger either way. Could it keep going up? Yes. I don't want to miss out on the profits. Could it go down? Absolutely. All right. That's what happens typically during a recession. Not all the time, typically during a recession. Okay. So what do you do? You want to preserve your wealth. You don't want to pull out too early. That's why, that's why puts are so cool. I was just thinking... (laughs) You need an option. That's right. (laughs) Put options, all right? Put options are insurance in the markets. Most people don't know that it is actually possible to insure your wealth at the price that it currently is at. You can insure yourself a sell price, right? So what if if you had an insurance policy that said, I can sell at this current price for the next six months? Then, no matter what happened... If it goes up, I still captured my profits. Mm-hmm. And my insurance, I just didn't use it. That's right. I'm but making if it, it that's that's part of the cost of, of it going up, right? Yeah. And yeah. it because it went up, I I'm paying for my policy. It's not a problem for me. I'm still growing, gaining, increasing my, my, my wealth. Right. I buy the insurance and it goes down. It's down, but I get to sell it up high where it was. That's exactly right. You've guaranteed yourself a high sell price. This sounds a lot better than sitting around being worried. Yes. And taking a a gamble. Yeah. All of a sudden you feel comfortable on your vacation instead of staring at the markets every day. Yes. Wow. What a game changer. Right. Yeah. So, you know, if you don't know what you're doing, you need to learn how to use options. For sure. Okay. Now to add to this, by the way, I just wanted to say, you know, one of the things that I pulled up today that, that, um, you know, speaks to how people feel about, uh, treasury bonds, there's an article and I forget who did the article. This was from Yahoo personal finance. You okay. might want to repeat that in your mic. I don't know. Cause you looked away. Okay. Yeah. The, the article was from Yahoo, uh, personal finance and it was comparing, should I do CDs or treasury bills? And it was speaking specifically to the retired. All right. Now, <laughs> that CDs sounds right like, now. should I get chicken or chicken for dinner? <laughs> <laughs> Am I missing something? Yes, you are. Okay. Because w- what does a 10 year note, um, you know, what is a 10 year note giving you? Well, it's what it's not giving you is the CD rate. Do you know what the CD rate on a six month CD is right now? Tell me. I stopped too. Ooh, that's the highest I've ever heard yeah. for a CD in my life. I know, right? 
So why should I put my money, lock it up for years at a time for less than five if I can turn to the CD, pull my money out of the bond market, throw it in CDs and get 5.2? In six months? In six months. I've never seen that in a CD in my Mm. little life. Run down to your bank, see what the rates are. But yeah, 5.2 for a six month. I was at the bank just the other day and that's what they were advertising. Now this was Mountain America, okay, that I stepped into. It might be different at other banks, but that's what Mountain America yeah, is doing. Yeah, that's impressive. Yeah. And, you know, and so, and so at, you know, it was going through the analysis, but that's not telling a good story for the bond market at all. And because it's there on just the regular news, that tells me that it's that not only the smart money is thinking this way, but now the regular people are being trained to think this way. Should I do bonds? What's going to happen? Man, this is really questionable, you know, losing faith type of context for bonds. It really is. If everyone is thinking, ah, should I really use bonds? Yeah. Now, you know. Doubting bonds. Yeah. Now, you've been through a lot of our classes. Is bonds something that we teach? Absolutely. You know, we teach people how to look at bonds and how to invest in bonds and and how to get out if you need to, you know. Yeah, I know there's... Uh, like a highly acclaimed expert, I know there's advanced courses just on bonds mm-hmm. and and the context of them. And Yeah, and the bond market tells you an awful lot. It's always been that canary in the coal mine type thing. You know what the canary in the coal mine is? Some people don't. I do. Yeah. So the idea is, is the miners used to take canaries down into the coal mines with them because, you know, the the human body can't detect the difference between uh, between an oxygen-rich environment and a, a you know carbon or or noble gas-rich environment, they'll keep breathing and thinking that everything's cool, while their brain isn't getting oxygen. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, the canaries can't either, <laughs> but they would take a canary down and put it in the mine somewhere next to them. And if the canary died, well, the canaries are a little bit more oxygen sensitive than we are. Then you knew that you were in trouble. Time to get out of the mine. Right? Early indicator. Yeah. So it was an early indicator. So the mine, the miners, when they say it's canary in a coal mine, what they're talking about is this is an early indicator. Now the bond market's always been that early indicator. It's been flashing since two thousand or twenty twenty one. I don't know what that is going to mean for the markets. It could mean that you know that people have lost faith in the bond market and the stock market's going to keep going up, or it could mm. mean that recession is around the corner. That's what the economists have made out of it. If you've heard about predictions about uh, we're going into recession, you know, by 2023 or in 2024, that's probably what they're looking at. That and a couple of other things, okay? Okay. Um, But, you know, they're looking kind of silly because here it's been years that they've been predicting recession and we still haven't slipped into it, Hmm. all right? Well, the economy is... Millions and millions of things happening at the same time, and that millions and millions of things have millions of permutations. And so thinking that you can look at one or two indicators and know exactly what's going to happen is kind of ridiculous, all right? Some of the larger movements are much more predictable, but they're not 100%. So, you know, if you don't understand how to use uh, some of the tools that are out there, like protective puts in your wealth, then either you're going to wait for it to drop before you decide, oh, 
I could have had it at this price. I should have sold it up there. And you play the shoulda, coulda, woulda game. Or you simply pull a put option and say, all right, now I've guaranteed myself that price and I can let it keep going up. Sleep better. Genius. Yeah. There was a person today I spoke to who was considering education because the way they manage their account now when when things started going down, they pulled it all out mm-hmm. and put it in a low interest cash account. And so their story today was, I'm doing pretty good, but when things went down, number one, they lost some. And then they mm-hmm. said, I missed the, the rally back up they because they the weren't bottom. in when it was time to go. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> And now they're considering getting back in. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, man, they don't understand. They're doing they're 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 selling low and buying high they're doing the opposite yeah and that's gotta be terrible in terms of compounding interest over time like if like if that's what i do Mm -hmm. every time this happens i'm not growing or protecting or maintaining my wealth i'm losing yeah you know so so here's the thing you know one of the most frustrating things um to me as, as an educator in the financial industry is people will come in and they'll look at me very eagerly. Hey, I want you to, I want you to teach me this. Okay, great. I want to teach you. I do have classes for that. And they say, you know what? I know that education comes with a price. Let me think about this for a little while. And then all of a sudden something happens in the market and they could have either made with the money that they have enough to have paid for the whole education or it goes down and they lost more than all of the education that, you know, the cost of the education. Jeez. And it's ridiculous. You know, the fact is, is that, that putting off a decision, you know, as to when to learn, uh, you know, the market is always costly. Especially compounding over time. Oh, yeah. Opportunity over opportunity, loss over loss. Either way, it's like, dang, man. Yeah, the most common, the most common uh, comment that I get out of any one of the classes uh, that I teach. Wait, I want to guess. Okay, go ahead. Is it, I, like, you take class and then you go, I wish I would have done this sooner. Is that it? Yeah, actually, yeah. (laughs) So the the most common comment is, where were you twenty years ago? Yeah. Which is exactly that idea, I wish I had this 20 years ago. wish I had this 20 years ago. Yeah. Followed by the second comment, man, why don't they teach this in high schools? Right. Right? People say, this should be taught in high school. This should be taught in college. Right, right. I hear that too. You're right. Yeah. You know, and and it really should be. This is something that everybody should learn. And I would love to teach everyone. All right? Um, And I have a free class for anybody that wants to learn. Oh, dude, that's amazing. Three-hour class, all right? Now, are you going to learn how to trade? No, but are you going to understand how it all works and what the opportunities are? Yes. And you know what? That's the best beginning point right there. Put me in, man. (laughs) All right. (laughs) What what does PTW stand for? Workshop? Power Trading Workshop. Power The Power Power Trading Workshop. workshop. I think I used to hear you say that on the radio years ago. I I actually don't like Power Trading Workshop. I think that that, uh, for the average person out there, they might not all be interested in the trading aspect, right? Uh, They might be happy in their jobs and thinking, you know what? I want to learn how to just protect what I've got. So for me, 
I use the power trading and investing workshop. That's how I introduce it. The PTIW. PTIW, all right? Power Trading and Investing Workshop. And we go through all of that during the three hours, all right? Um, We've got it both in person and online. Now, if you're in the Phoenix area, it's so much better in person, okay? You learn faster. It's a higher quality right there in person. If you've ever tried to take a class online and uh, tried to compare the difference between that and the learning that you get in person then you know what I'm talking about, mm-hmm. right? Now, mm-hmm. if you're not in the area, is the online better than nothing? Yeah. Absolutely, man. Okay. And so that's awesome that if that's you want, offered. Yeah, if you want to go to the class, just go to www.tradingacademy.com. Okay, www.tradingacademy.com. And, you know, they'll ask you, I don't know, there'll be something that says get started. Click on the get started. It'll ask you for your zip code and a list of free classes in your area will come up. Man, that right? is sweet. Yep. Um, just, it, it's three hours online. I think it's actually only an hour and a half, something like that. Okay. But three hours of your time to pick up some of these really important concepts. Okay. So I hope to see you in class. You want to go to the free class, www.tradingacademy.com. You know, um, if you've already been to the class and you're a student, don't wait to start putting things together. Start using the knowledge you've got. Hope everybody trades and invests well. uh, And I hope to be able to talk to you again on this program next week. Uh, So, you know, um, yeah, good trading. We'll see you next week. 